0: Welcome to another edition of Vice City Hoops. What an incredible panel of guests I got with me today. Let's go ahead and start off with veteran NBA reporter and the Bleacher Report's primary national voice for multiple NBA topics, Sean Hyken. Sean, welcome to the show, sir. So glad to have you. Hey, good to be on with you guys. And of course, we got featured columnist for the step back and credentialed host of the Locked on Heat podcast, David Ramil. David, thank you as well for joining us, sir.
1: I appreciate uh, the uh, invitation. I haven't been on your podcast. You've not, been on mine? Not yet. <laughs> yeah, This is great. That's great. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Likewise,
0: I am too. And of course, we've got Marcus Chisholm here, who is one of our contributors, senior editor and writer for our team here at Vice City Hoops. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us as well.
2: Thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited.
0: So gentlemen, let's, let's just jump right into this because this NBA season is not going to be unlike any other season we've you know ever had in NBA history with the talent pool being pretty deep I feel like the disparity and distribution is pretty solid overall there are three or four more teams that were on the outside looking in last year that legitimately have a chance at making the playoffs so for some franchises of course there was a significant amount of time off and then now for like the Heat and Lakers who had very little time off so it's going to make for great sport and a lot of drama and uh, in the words of Parks and rec legend Burt Macklin. I have no idea if you're a fan or not. Drew's a fan. The game is the foot. That's my perspective. <laughs> it's on, guys. James
3: catches, puts up the three. Will go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining.
1: Hoops.
0: So I'm really, really excited about this season. I love the talent disparity and maybe more specifically, I love to see all these guys that were wounded or injured or coming off terrible injuries who are coming back. So we got a lot of stars back and a lot of teams that are looking to do some damage. So we enter the 2021 season under kind of a pretty tumultuous situation with the current pandemic, all the stringent requirements that the league of course wants everyone to pass so that everyone feels safe. So I know, Sean, you're not very high on all of that, but my hope is that COVID-19 doesn't become like this national headline influencing outcomes when it's all said and done. But nonetheless, today we'll do our absolute best to give a qualitative preview of the NBA season, including our expectations, surprises, predictions on the eve of her launch. With everything going on with James Harden, guys, any second we could get the nodi. So I got I got Twitter like barely in my purview. I'll do my absolute best to professionally stay you know pay attention, but it's kind of crazy right now. David knows we, we're all over the place today. But let's start with the Eastern Conference. I'm very curious to know which playoff team from last year improved or didn't improve this offseason slash super super short preseason and why. And Sean, let's go
3: ahead and start off the bat with you, sir. Well the obvious ones I think to look at as who improved are the Bucks getting Drew Holiday and Philly getting Danny Green and Seth Curry and just some other you know role players to put around Embiid and Simmons and then I think I would also throw Atlanta in there as a team that I don't I'm not as high on them as other people are but I think clearly they had a mandate from ownership to try to make the playoffs and they added <laughs> enough good players <laughs> they did that I think they're they're probably going to accomplish that goal. So those are the ones that I would look at as the obvious ones. One that I'm actually higher on, I think, than most people is Boston. And I realize that Hmm. just on paper, they lost Gordon Hayward. That probably means they got worse on paper. They Honestly, he wasn't that crucial to what they were doing last year. He barely played in the bubble because of injuries. And because they have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they didn't really need what he brought that much. I don't think losing him really hurts them that much. And on the other side, I do think Tristan Thompson is like the perfect guy for what they needed. That series that they had against Miami, they couldn't do anything with Bam in terms of their no. big rotation. Like Outside of Daniel Tice, they were throwing Anis Cantor out there a lot. And it just, it wasn't really a good matchup i think tristan is the kind of guy that they've needed for a long time in terms of a good defender who can rebound who can protect the rim and take charge like i just i think they're i think they're gonna be a lot better this year than people realize i completely agree with tristan thompson's
0: value on that team i think he's gonna be their closer at the five for sure he's very switchable so i think that was a great pickup i completely agree with you i think gordon hayward actually might be a a loss only in terms of his ability to bust the zone which gave the Celtics problems in the playoffs against the heat, especially. So he, he was able to do that in doses on a bad, you know, he wasn't exactly in game condition whenever he played in the playoffs. So, and he did cause a little bit of legitimate problem uh, for us, for the Miami heat. But I do agree overall, the Hawks, that's an interesting team to me. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but I do feel like they're one of those teams in the East that absolutely went out and got some guys. There was definitely a mandate from on high to get better. And my God, did they? Like half the team is brand new. And with their coaching expertise, like I'm a big fan of their coach. I feel like he's got his hands not tied, but like he really this if he can't do it with this team, it's gonna be a, a really rough season for them. So David, go ahead and tell me what your what playoff team from last year do you think upgraded? Like between, I mean, we only had two months off, so I mean, there's not a whole lot you could say. But David, go ahead and give us your thoughts on maybe the t- playoff team or two that you thought improved the most, or maybe didn't improve at all, and you thought that was significant.
1: Well, I I thought the more obvious one was actually the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, you're welcoming back a talent level like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And for all of Kyrie's off-the-court issues, whatever they might be and whatever your perception of them is, he's still a great player, although somewhat one-sided. But Durant, from everything we've heard and from reports from people who cover the team, it seems like he is back to nearly full strength. And if that's the case, you're welcoming back a top 10 player pretty easily. That makes them a really deep and dangerous team. I'm actually pretty high on their chances. I know a lot of people are kind of watching this chemistry experiment to see how it plays out. My feeling is that they're, you know, when you have a talent level the way they do, it's going to work out just fine. And I like the, the higher Steve Nash, it kind of feels like an Mm -hmm. out of the box kind of higher, but it makes also a lot of sense because you're able to connect with players. You're able to get the most out of them. I I really like their chances of being one of the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. I think the Pacers did a pretty good job, too. I mean, you're getting DeMontis Sabonis. You're getting Victor Oladipo back. And if that's the case, I mean, that's welcoming back at full strength. Two players that weren't that during the playoff front. So I I think the Pacers, yeah, you know, Nate McMillan was always going to get the most out of your teams or... Well, he was always going to at least be able to get them to the playoffs, but I don't know if uh, you know the new coach is going to be able to maximize their talents. But either way, you're getting them back. You're you know getting two healthy players that are on at all star level, so that's that's a pretty good thing for them. And uh, you know, as far as getting worse, I have to say the Orlando Magic uh, with the loss of Jonathan Isaac, I'm just not big on. Whatever they've got going on there, I know it's a it's a strange team. It's always been, I mean, at least for the past you're right, few years you're right. since the Dwight mayor ended. I don't know that anybody has a pulse for what that team is mm. like, and they've been running it back with Fournier and and, and Nikola Vucevic and, and you know Aaron Gordon, who seems like he might be playing at the four because of Jonathan Isaac's injury. So yep. maybe that's good for him. Uh, if you're a big Cole Anthony fan, maybe you're you like their chances. And look, Steve Clifford, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a great coach, and he does always seem to find a way to get his teams into the playoffs more often. The not uh you know i don't know i don't know if this is a season where that breaks even i know that's their goal to be a an early round exit and maybe that they'll be able to get lucky enough to achieve that but otherwise they might be one of the worst teams in the eastern conference if not the league
0: i completely agree with that take unfortunately i know they did add cole anthony and they had their star somewhat rising with jonathan isaac's i'm a very big fan of jonathan isaac but i completely agree about your nets take Sands sans one Crucial component, which is they're literally adding in a bunch of things all at once. Like they just got a brand new coaching staff. They're just now getting Durant back. They're just now getting Kyrie Irving back. Now Lavars and Dinwiddie have to accept very different roles as you know primary ball handlers. So I I do feel like chemistry is going to be the thing. But man. If they figure it out, David, I completely agree. They're going to be a tough out no matter who they play because I feel like they match up pretty well with everybody right now, especially given the fact that we overlook Jared Allen. Like That guy somehow always ends up under the radar. I feel like he's a very good player that can handle just about anyone on the floor. He at least stays in front of guys for being so big, and uh, he finds ways to make you know impact winning like Coach Bostra famously Is he even going to start,
1: though? I mean, no, I, mean, I don't know. To...
0: He's not, but that's, yeah, that's sorry, just but. it. Do you, do
1: you... Yeah, DJ is going to start. Yeah, what? Thirty-six years old. I don't even know how old he is, but it's exactly. like he's obviously past his prime. And it's it's strange. You're right. There aren't questions there. I don't know. I, I like Lavert as a six man. I know the the yes. comp uh, the Manu Ginobili comp has has been floated around. That's probably hmm. way too high. But a guy who can provide some buckets off the bench and maybe an occasion play some defense too. I, if that's the case, if he embraces that role, it should be a good one for him. Dinwiddie, you know, he's. He's always been so inconsistent. You're never sure what you're getting from him, but maybe playing alongside guys like Durant and Irving opens up the floor for him a little bit, and he's able to convert on some of those opportunities.
3: I also well, like when, to when, when, go, go, go Sean. When we're talking about, you know, re- being high on Brooklyn, are we talking about their regular season record, or are we talking about them as title contenders?
1: Both, to me? Yeah, I, I, both. Mean, I, I could
3: I, not be more out on Brooklyn as a title contender. I think they're going to win a lot wow. of games. I think they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. I think we're going to see them be a top two or three seed because the talent is just so ridiculous. They don't really have any defense on that team, and you know you can say sure, you know, the offense is so is so good, but again, it's just a lot of guys you're reintegrating. And I still we you know we were just I agree with about, that. We were just talking about uh, about Jared Allen. Part of the reason Kenny Atkinson doesn't have that job anymore is because he wouldn't start deandre over jared allen even though he probably Mm. you know even though you know jared allen's a much better player but uh he you know deandre is buddies with katie and kyrie and you know that they were sort of a package deal for going there and so i think that was a big part of why Mm. kenny atkinson ultimately ended up getting fired and then you look at steve Nash, who basically got the job because Katie and Kyrie wanted him there and so is he really gonna be willing to not start DeAndre when that's what those two guys want there's just a lot of stuff going on there and I still don't think that the like, I, I don't think they're gonna have enough to get James Harden ultimately even though that's clearly where he wants to go but this the thing that like those rumors are still there it's a lot of these guys that were there before Katie and Kyrie that are now in these trade rumors that's gonna be a whole chemistry thing we're also just are we sure Kyrie's gonna be able to stay healthy the whole year because he pretty much always exactly. misses a lot of time. I'm I think we're I think they're gonna be a very good regular season team. And if Durant looks as good as he did in the preseason, I think that alone is enough to get them a high seed. But I think they're gonna run into some trouble in the playoffs. I'm not really in terms of who's most likely to have the number one, two, or three seed, they're as high as anybody. In terms of who I see actually making it to the finals and maybe challenging the Lakers to win the title, I have several teams ahead of them.
0: No doubt. Well, I I completely agree that chemistry, we can't, like, half of the NBA literally leans completely on chemistry, being one of them being the Miami Heat. Like, it matters very much in terms of winning, in terms of getting the Clydesdale theory to actually work. So I absolutely agree with that assessment that there's just so many variables up in the air, and Kyrie is his own variable. So there's there's kind of a, you you kind of wonder if they can get it figured out in this first season. They're going to win a lot of games. What happens when adversity comes? we shall see could make for good drama could be could be especially fun but i'm definitely a fan of the pacers too i absolutely feel like they're you know supposed three-headed monster of not really any like huge star but i mean brogdon sabonis and oladipo could be special but they also have those swirling trade rumors that you know potentially could i don't know disrupt the season as well especially if oladipo gets traded but you know, I, I do like the Pacers. I feel like they're underappreciated. I think Nate got slandered un, 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 unceremoniously. I just felt like that was totally out of place for the way he was treated and kicked out the door. I think I thought he did a heck of a good job with what he had and the circumstances he had, losing his number one All Star and kind of dealing with the return of Victor Oladipo against now. What the best team in the East at the time, like they started their whole playoff you know, adventure against the Heat, who were a well-oiled, you know, mean, crazy machine by the time the, the, the bubble at playoffs started. So I like the Pacers. I think that's solid. Marcus, why don't you jump in here real quick? Tell us who you got out in the East from last year's playoffs that you thought improved or just completely blew it.
2: <laughs> I, I think it's Brooklyn. I mean, you have to look at the fact that they were a seven seed that looked really miserable in the bubble. And, I mean, with how much further they're going to be able to go with Steve Nash, a head coach, with with Kevin Durant in the mix, throwing KD into that situation as well, especially when he's healthy enough, is going to give them a defender that can help neutralize top scorers on other teams, and that's automatically going to make them a better defensive team. And I think as long as they can become somewhere close to a, a top 10 defense, that's going to be enough for them to really rely on a highly potent offense that, Steve Nash is running again with the seven seconds or less concept. I think in the preseason, although it's very early, they're looking very good right now. I mean, the screens are very sharp. They're cutting very tight. Like, they're playing like they care, and, like, they have something to prove. And I know that's super cliche to hone in on, but I think that if you give KD some time, especially after this Achilles situation, Mm. he's going to be able to get to that point where he's 100% again and where he's competing very hard in the playoffs, and that's just going to open up so many options when you have an elite ISO scorer on that level. We're still forgetting that we haven't seen KD play in the East. We've seen him terrorize the West for years. And now he's finally <laughs> going to get advanced to where like he can actually be the best player in his conference. Um, it's not going to be easy, right? Like I still think Brooklyn's not as deep as advertised, but I, I think that, you know, the possibilities are endless for them. And we've seen plenty of new coaches as well, too enter new situations in recent years where they've won championships. Steve Kerr with the Warriors. We've seen Nick Nurse with the Raptors. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they could pull something off similar here. And I think that's why Brooklyn went with Nash in the first place with the coaching mm.
3: time. I completely for agree with, went that. with Nash because of for the coaching hire, because Kevin Durant told them that he wanted Steve true. Nash that's what, <laughs> that's why, that's why he has the job. <laughs> and I'm not, that's not to say he won't be good. Cause I actually think he is probably going to be pretty good in a vacuum. I think he would be a good coach. It's just, he has the job because Kevin Durant wanted him. Right. How are Absolutely. we feeling
0: about how do we, how are we feeling about the fact that literally the top two players on the nets in Kyrie Irving and, and uh, Kevin Durant are both not known for being on the court team vocal leaders when I mean Durant famously let Westbrook and Draymond Green do all the talking right fair enough and Kyrie is kind of one of those that randomly speaks his mind but kind of waits to do it other times privately or publicly He's you never really know what you're going to get with him but he's never been an on the court very vocal present leader what do you make of the lack of perceived vocal leadership on the Brooklyn Nets, Sean?
3: I don't feel great about it. We didn't we just see this with the Clippers last year where they yes, had yes. the talent. Yes. but but you know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't really that guy. The thing I've been asking about the Nets is who's the adult in the room? It's not <laughs> either of the two, it's not either of the two stars. It's not DeAndre it's I, I Spencer, completely agree. Spencer Dinwiddie is way too into Bitcoin for me to think that he's like the adult <laughs> in the room. It's going to be taken seriously. It's not any of these younger and their value guys don't keeps going like, up every day. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, it's not like, I mean like Joe Harris, I don't think has like the gravitas no. to be that. And then Steve Nash, like I said, he's, I mean, I know he is Steve Nash and he's an NBA legend, but he was basically hired to be a yes man for Katie and Durant or and Kyrie. And then you go on the, I guess Mike D'Antoni, but he's the assistant coach. He's not going to have the kind of authority that he would like, I don't know, I I understand why people are high on Brooklyn because of the amount of talent that they have, but just all of this, and the other thing is, you're already starting to see some of these rumors about, you know, Durant really, really wants James Harden. Durant is the one pushing for it. I know he said that they haven't even talked about it, which, okay, sure, whatever. Dude. I was gonna but say, like, you put stock in that? No, I don't, but okay. I <laughs> can't imagine Kyrie is psyched about that. No, so they're already kind of having these, like it, it, like are both of them even on board with that? And it's just, it's just, there's all this stuff. I, I'm getting heavy. I mean, I think the talent is higher because these guys are at the better end of their career, but I am getting heavy Lakers you know, Kobe, Dwight, Steve Nash, like that, that vibe, that's the, that's the vibe I'm getting from just this whole thing. It, oh no. It's I think they're going to be a very good regular season team, but just people penciling them into the finals or putting them in the same as of like teams that can make a deep playoff run with Miami and Boston and Philly and some of these Milwaukee, some of these other teams, I don't really see it from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as far as the East is concerned, I I get all that you're saying at the same time. I do think he does have some of that potential to be at least a loud voice, if not necessarily the most mature one. But between him and KD and Nash, to some extent, I think there'll be a, a balance that we might not be able to see from the outside perspective. But when you also look at the Eastern Conference, I'm not sure that any team is so overwhelmingly strong that brooklyn doesn't have at least a fair fight in this because milwaukee is vulnerable despite their regular season prowess. Miami certainly exposed them. I think Miami, you can certainly question whether or not they're going to make another run to the finals, whether or not they're going to be able to stay healthy themselves, given the incredible workload for Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler and you know whether or not Bam takes another leap in his development. And so who does that leave? Boston? Yeah, they're a pretty good team. I think Philadelphia is certainly a good team, but I think there are questions about them too. So I don't, when you're looking at contenders out of the Eastern Conference, to me, there's no overwhelming favorite. And if that's the case, then why not just rely And the potential of talent and that they might be able to turn their defense up to a certain level in the playoffs. That might be too much to count on. Maybe we're able to make a a midseason acquisition for a more defensive minded player. You know, we're talking about Harden. I can't see why they wouldn't be in the running for for PJ Tucker. To be honest with you, that would be a better fit in Brooklyn. I, I think for him, he would add some defense there, some some mm. again flexibility defensively and versatility. So, I, you know, maybe that's uh, something they've talked about, and I haven't heard anything. But you know, as far as Brooklyn's overall chances in the East, I mean, they're as good as anybody. That's basically all you can say.
0: I don't disagree. I don't necessarily disagree with either side of the take necessarily because that the very point of this is they just have something that we don't know how to predict newness there's so much newness coaching newness chemistry newness the fact that there's I don't that I can recall two guys leading the team that are not known for being vocal leaders but being extremely passive especially in the modern area era with uh social media and things like that so it should be interesting and like I said it's must see tv like I, I think I think deep down we're all kind of rooting for them to be good I want them to be good I like when Kevin Durant plays well I like when Kyrie Irving plays well so I'm pretty high on the uh 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 Opportunity in front of us, the expectation in front of us. But let's jump really quick to Eastern Conference teams that that may surprise us. Eastern Conference teams that may surprise us. Sean, go ahead and hit us off.
3: I am interested. I don't know how good they'll necessarily be. I think they'll probably be in that mix of you know the seven through ten play in range. I'm interested in how Charlotte looks.
2: That's me not necessarily
3: too. me saying I think they'll be good, but. I do think you know for as much as yes i think they overpaid for gordon hayward he's still a good player who's going to make them better what we've seen from Lamelo, i think obviously the, the you know the turnovers he's had a lot of turnovers he hasn't shot the ball well but what we've seen from him as a passer he's at least going to make them more interesting and like Devonte graham i think is good miles bridges i think it's like pj washington they have some interesting pieces there i think they're right in that borderline you know maybe a playoff team maybe not a playoff team area. And then another team that I don't necessarily think is going to be good, but that I'm interested in is the bulls. Cause I just have no idea what the bulls are going to be. <laughs> of like, course have... you're interested in the bulls. <laughs> I mean, I used to cover them. I haven't really paid that much attention to them the last couple of years, but, uh, there are so many guys that on that team that on paper, like Zach Levine last year numbers-wise, he didn't make the All-Star team because the Bulls are terrible. And, you know, guys on- <laughs> teams True. usually don't make the All-Star game, but he had an All-Star caliber year in terms of production. Yeah, he did. Hey, you know, Lowry Markkinen has not looked good in the preseason, but he's a guy that has been seen as really talented in the past and has had some stretches, Wendell Carter kind of as well. I just think just the upgrade, and I think Billy Donovan is a pretty good coach. I don't think he's like elite, but I think he's above replacement level as a coach. I think the upgrade from maybe the worst coach I've ever seen in the NBA in 10 years to a pretty good coach uh, might just be enough to get them 10 more wins in the regular season. And I'm also like, I'm really intrigued by Patrick Williams, the kid that they uh, drafted out of Florida State, who's also looked pretty good in the preseason. So that's hmm. one where maybe, I don't know if they're even necessarily a playoff team, but I think they're gonna be more interesting than they've been the last couple of years. David, what you got?
1: For me, uh, Washington is one of those teams that I'm kind of curious to see how it all plays out. If nothing else, just because they're going to, I mean, Westbrook is going to play. We know that much. You you can question him as much as you want to about his efficiency and everything else. But overall, he's been fairly healthy over the last few seasons. So he's certainly going to be a better replacement than whatever they had filling in for John Wall when he was out as, as often as he was. I just, I'm not sure what Scott Brooks is going to be able to do there, whether or not he's going to be. I mean, you know, he's going to be able to connect with Westbrook, given their history with the Thunder. But at the same time, can he get everybody to play the way they're supposed to? Can he maximize that duo as far as that backcourt? Does Bradley Beale get disgruntled playing alongside Westbrook? At least mm. they're going to be interesting to me. And if that's the case, then I'll probably be watching them a lot more than I did last season. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, they made some nice signings over the offseason, too. They re signed, uh, you know, their shooters and Davis Bertan's. You know, they have some potential there. Again, uh, similarly to what Sean was saying, I'm not sure if they're a playoff team, but they're certainly going to be a lot more interesting to watch. It could be for all the wrong reasons or it could be for some of the right ones. And then the other team that I'm kind of curious about, honestly, the Toronto Raptors, just because... I feel like nobody's talking about them. Nobody ever does talk about them. And I'm sure a lot of Canadians, Canadians all feel that they're constantly being (laughs) slighted. Anyway, Raptors fans all all held a grudge against American media for, for, you know, again, ignoring the Raptors here. They are stuck in Tampa. You wonder whether or not that's going to play a psychological factor as they're removed from their homes. And, uh, whether or not they're constantly feeling like this this bubble mentality, just because they're so far away from True. everything that they've held dear. Uh, at the same time, you know, you know that Nick Nurse is a pretty solid coach. They've still got a pretty solid roster despite some key losses. So, how do they bounce back? Is this going to be the year where they just, you know, continue to be as good as as they think they are, or do we just learn from our mistakes in the past and realize that maybe the Toronto Raptors are actually a really good team on a yearly basis, and we should never discount mm. them? I'm curious to see how it all plays out.
0: I feel like the I feel like the Charlotte Hornets. I've, I, that's such an interesting one that you pick, Sean. Honestly, because I'm, as I'm listening to the Wizards, as I'm listening to the Raptors, I've completely forgot about the Wizards, which is crazy because the Heat are directly tied to Bradley Beal every you know five and a half seconds uh, across all universes of social media. But um, in terms of like the Charlotte Hornets, I actually agree that they they have like this potential. To be sort of ignitable because Devonte Graham and PJ Washington showed they can score. If Terry can kind of figure out how to live in the backcourt, you got Gordon Hayward and of course Lamelo. I just feel like they have an interesting, I don't know, dynamic that they haven't really had in a long time. So I feel like the, I feel like that's like the very definition of surprise. Like I think they could surprise us in that way. But I absolutely agreed too, David, with uh with the with the Wizards because I feel like this this is for Russell Westbrook. I feel like he kind of has to figure this one out. You can already kind of see the way he's leading the team. He's in people's ears, he's in teammates' ears. He's, you know, got the clipboard in his hands. He's doing a little bit more, definitely more than he did with the Rockets in terms of visible leadership, but I feel like he I feel like he's ready to have that season that he wanted to have last year and sh- and show people, I can live with other stars, no doubt. And he didn't get that chance to really showcase that capability. I think Bradley Beal is actually a very good partner to do that with because I've never really seen anything from Bradley that would suggest he wouldn't be good to you know partner up with, especially with the kind of game that Bradley has because he can kind of fit in seamlessly, doing just about anything offensively for sure. So I like that. I really like the Wizards. Um, Marcus, tell us real quick, who's your surprise team in the East? I think Charlotte had
2: an incredibly underrated offseason because of the fact that they were able to absorb a really bad contract in Hayward while still maintaining a lot of cap space. Because even after the Batum situation where they waived him, that's what, around $9 million a year that they're like dividing up over the next three years. Yeah, stretching. Yep. So that, that actually creates a lot of opportunities for them down the road. But in terms of this specific season, I think... The Wizards are in a win now situation where clearly with Beal, it's literally they're doing everything they can to keep him, right? They saw the opportunity with Westbrook. It was too good to be true. And the fact that they could only give up John Wall in a first, honestly, most people's books should be a win. Now, I know there's a lot of Wizards faithful that were really against the move, and it was really unfortunate Mm. to to see that go down. But Bradley Beal, great option off the ball, very comfortable playing off the ball. He hasn't turned into this guy that only wants the ball in his hands, and he's made that very clear. So I think you combine that with the fact that they also bolstered you know, their post-defense. They got Robin Lopez from Milwaukee. Underrated signing, in my opinion. I, I think that they're mm. going to be a, a, a better defensive team than, say, somebody like, or a team like Atlanta would. And that's why I would have the Wizards ranked over the Hawks in that sense when it comes to, like, a sneaky kind of, like, breakthrough playoff team. And I, I think they were already the best offense in the league last year. So... Westbrook is again still slightly above average defender in my opinion now I know we could probably debate that all day but they're making progress in the right direction here
3: and they're going to be playoff bound Sean what do you think about the Wizards I actually really I'm high, I think I'm a little bit higher on this I mean obviously you know putting aside this the uh, sentimental stuff with the sure. John with John Wall being traded because that's obviously like a whole different discussion I think they got better I think that rusts with shooters you have him with Bradley Beal, you have him with Davis Bertans now. I think they're going to be really interesting. I that there's another team in the like I think they're pretty solidly in the 7 8 or yeah. like that 9 10 play in range now. And then also just that that they, they were so bad defensively last year that I think just that Robin Lopez addition is going to be huge for them just from that standpoint, but I I I don't know if I really see their ceiling as being that high, but I think their I think their floor is higher now with Russ, and I think I think with Russ, people have kind of gone too far the other way on him because he was so bad in the a his contract is so big, but b he was so bad in the bubble after he had COVID and he had that calf injury and he basically no didn't doubt. have a training camp and he was terrible in the bubble, and so I feel like there are these people who just think he's bad now, and I don't think he is. And I think that him and Beale together is gonna be really interesting.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that take. Recency bias has never been never been worse than this year simply because people are looking for something to criticize something to talk about on social media because we're all stuck in our homes uh bored out of our minds waiting for the league to start again all those kinds of things so the hot takes will not stop with guys like james harden russell westbrook so on and so forth i've never seen the kind of slander that has just recently come out especially against guys like james harden who was with this team for eight years and all of a sudden there's all this random talk same with russell westbrook It is a little too much. It's not a great look for for the league, so I hope we can kind of dispel some of that by getting what I hope is some kind of semblance of what we saw in the bubble, which was really good basketball. Guys, there's been a lot of teams that haven't played that much. Like, I expect there to be some kind of interesting amalgamation of really good-looking professional players doing their job. So we kind of brought up the Hawks there for a second. No one mentioned them as the surprise, maybe, team. I kind of think they have to be in that conversation a little bit. They freaking added, they improved. Like their second best player didn't play half the games last year. So I mean, if you consider what they added, and then Cam Reddish suddenly came out of nowhere and finally is good, and then they added Bogdan, they added. Uh, um, well, they got Herder back, who's completely. Is that how you pronounce his name? Kevin Herder. Yeah, Kevin Herder. I mean, he's he's got he's had flashes of being good. He's not he's not like reliable, but he's somewhat consistent of what he does. Um, I just feel like, they, you know, they got Rondo coming off the bench now. I don't know. It kind of seems like it could be interesting out in Atlanta, but I don't really feel like I was just saying this on the podcast yesterday. I don't really feel like the top of the East got better. I feel like mo- in terms of like actual dance moves, creating things, doing things, no one really did anything at the top. It's just going to come down to health. And energy, and if the Brooklyn Nets can figure that out, if uh, Milwaukee Bucks can kind of obviously figure out how to integrate Drew Holiday, which should be fairly seamless, those that team is going to be electric. If, if the Pacers can figure things out, if all these teams that were hurting pretty badly, including the Heat, by the way, who lost two of their best guys in the NBA Finals, right? So, I mean, we got a lot of guys on the mend that I'm pretty excited to see as far as the team chemistry, team energy goes. But with all that being said... David Ramil, tell me who you think will be representing the East in the conference finals, so the t- top two teams you think get there.
1: I, <laughs> a Tough question, uh, obviously, because like I just said, I don't know if there's any major improvement as far as any team that has stood out in the Eastern Conference, but I, I'm making a pick at Miami repeats. I know that might seem like somewhat of a homerish perspective on my part. No, no. No, I, well, I mean, the feeling I get, honestly, and watching this team and watching them talk about everything, like you mentioned the, the injury factor, and I think yes. that's going to be a huge thing. Like, Who knows what the, the playoff situation is going to be like. For all the fluke talk and everything else, the reality is that the, the, late, the playing field was as level as it's ever going to get, and Miami was able to find a way to beat really, really good teams. And, yes, they took advantage of maybe some injury situations in Indiana and, and Boston, but they were a really good team. They were deep. They're they're versatile defensively. They know how to play offense at a very high level. They move the ball well. They shoot very well. I think guys like Bam and Tyler are going to take another step in their development. I think Jimmy's going to be able to stay healthy. But, again, from media week and, and the ensuing conversations, the subsequent conversations, everybody on this roster just seems like they're hungrier. Like As much as they had to learn last season that they could be a title contender, I think there's a more widespread feeling now that they definitely are a title contender. And if that's the case, I think they're going to be much more aggressive than they even were last year. And while they may not be catching anybody by surprise, I think they're still experienced and resilient enough to find ways to beat teams. And ultimately, they'll probably be looking at the regular season with less importance. Like I don't think it matters to them as far as uh, attaining a high your seed in the playoffs structure or anything like that. I don't think they care about being a top-four team or maintaining home-court advantage because who knows what the playoff situation is going to be like. It might be held in a bubble again. Regardless, if Miami is able to find a way to just kind of stay the, the, you know, stay healthy throughout the regular season, I think they have a a smaller switch perhaps than some other teams to flip in in the playoffs. But I think they could beat anybody in the Eastern Conference, and I think they're experienced enough, they're deep enough, they're talented enough, and that depth—something that we don't talk about enough with Miami because obviously you know Jimmy and Bam are the the key players there—but their depth is enough where I think they can stay healthy, rotate players in and out of the lineup on occasion, get some good scoring and defense in there and still find ways to win and that's going to be enough for them to be able to beat some of those other teams in the east
0: can I get an amen I mean I'm like over here as a heat guy freaking out okay so I need to settle down Marcus Chisholm what you got at the top in the Eastern Conference alright just going off
2: of process of elimination here so Milwaukee I think they lack depth and they sacrificed a good amount of defense in the offseason and as along with a lot of picks in order to get your holiday um, while Holiday, I think, can help them. I think that it's not going to be enough to move the needle. I don't think it's enough of a splash landing for them to really be catapulted to the finals. Um, so I don't have them in the Eastern Conference Finals. I personally believe that Boston, if they do go back to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be because Tatum and Brown make a leap. I believe that Tristan Thompson is somebody who, yes, can, can plug some holes on defense, particularly on the back line. But I don't think that he alone is going to do it. I think Tatum is just going to have to have some, like, wounds from the past, from, like, last year's Eastern Conference Finals, to where, like, he really grew and, like, matured and, like, learned and then went back harder than ever. Um, But, again, the chances of that happening, still not really 100% sure. So I think you combine that with the fact that Philly as well is lacking a pick-and-roll ball handler, which is really important in the playoffs. Mm. It's going to expose Simmons later on. And it's gonna again remind us that he's still struggling to shoot threes. So that kind of leaves me with Brooklyn in my end. And, and I, I think that Brooklyn has will have just enough defense as well as the ISO scoring to get by when needed. And then I believe the Heat will have enough depth in a year where it's gonna be more critical than
3: ever before. Sean, I cannot wait for to hear your what you got. Tell me, buddy. I think it's gonna be a repeat of last year, Miami, Boston. That's oh Boston winner. is your top two okay yeah I think that's I think that's where I'm at and I still I would probably if that's the matchup it's kind of I mean it, it, this is so matchup dependent I think if Milwaukee mm. ends up getting back to the conference finals and they end up face off against Boston they match up pretty well with Boston so in that scenario I would have Milwaukee going to the finals but Miami as we saw in the conference finals this past year in the bubble they match up well with. Uh, Boston. I just I just think those are the two most solid teams. They're the, they're the teams I have the fewest questions about when it comes to all this stuff. Miami just given, you know, the continuity that they have, they're so well coached obviously. They have the depth. Jimmy Butler, I know is like I mean we can talk about like the layoff, but Jimmy but- like the short layoff. Jimmy Butler's a maniac, so I'm not really worried about that part <laughs> of it. I I don't I don't think it's going to be as much of a fluke as maybe the bubble was. And I understand the thinking that maybe the bubble was a fluke, in the, but I also think the reason that they did so well in the bubble, which is a team that was the most locked in and they were the team kind of the most, you know, set up to be in the kind of work environment that they were in. I think that's going to fit them this season because teams are going to have to be disciplined about traveling and doing all the right things and not places Mm -hmm. where they're not going to be. And I put on quote heat culture, benefit them so I think a lot of benefits that they had are going to help them out again this year and so obviously they have probably the best coach in the Eastern Conference I just I still like Miami and I think Boston is the other team that I would put up there well that's so surprising that none of you picked the Bucks. I guess that
0: says a lot about the way you all felt about their offseason especially I'm
3: higher on their offseason than other people I just have me to too <laughs> I just I mean I think like we're just, you know, because of the optics of the whole Bogdan thing being weird like they still I think they got better from here and DJ Augustine is going to be solid, uh addition for them but in a year like this where there's so much stuff up I think the continuity is going to put them over
0: I completely agree that continuity is is probably going to get people further than they suspect which was the heats game plan I feel like everyone really at the top that was their game plan is continuity and I feel kind of bad for Boston they were kind of forced into getting rid of Gordon obviously so I, I suspect they wanted continuity too and I do feel like losing Gordon's a bigger deal than than we're making it because he was their zone buster. I firmly believe he he really helped them against one of our most potent defensive actions. So I I'm actually surprised no one put the Bucks in the very top. Uh, I I have the Heat. Of course I've got the Heat. David is not gonna. There's you're not even blinking at what I'm about to say. I got the Heat at the very top of this. They absolutely brought back nine out of ten of their their players last year. Uh, Jay Crowder moved on to better uh, bigger and better things with that beautiful paycheck he got out in Phoenix. But the Heat overall stayed the course and they and that course ran pretty well last year and they just added uh bam doppelganger you know precious achiawa to the freaking team who's already been a fast development if in just the few you know minutes we've even seen of him he's fit pretty well and that means that on the second unit should he be coming off the bench It should prove pretty special in terms of our actions that we can continue to play to and really surprise teams going to ISO whenever we just feel like it now, as opposed to being forced to do it because we don't have that same sort of BAM role player. Now we do. So I'm very high on the heat. No one is going to be surprised by that. Their continuity is a big deal, but I do think the Bucks are going to be a problem. I think Drew Holiday's addition, the more I've thought about it, the more I've thought about it, Drew Holiday's addition, his length is going to bother on the perimeter against Boston, against the, the Heat, against the Nets. Even you cannot tell me that a force of Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday doesn't make you doesn't bother your team. I can absolutely see them being a, a, a annoyance. And then you've got the fact that Divincenzo didn't get traded, um, who was obviously a big piece of their their uh, defense. So. I'm actually kind of surprised that Bucks are not getting as much love, but I feel like initially we all had that same reaction. I had the same reaction like they're fumbling the offseason. And then to the news today that they got their hand slapped. Uh Sean, you put it really well. I think you said something like they, you know, they got caught doing what everyone was already doing. They were just too stupid enough to act they got, you know, they were stupid enough to get caught, so they deserve to lose that second rounder. I think that was
3: adequately put. But by uh, the way, yeah. one more note on the Eastern Conference. Yeah, me. I see the Woj alert just right now that Markelle no, has got a to- Three-year, fifty-million-dollar extension from Orlando. That's from WOES just now. Who did?
1: Markel, Markel falls. Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, that guy. I don't know if that. Good that for him. Did. Good for no, him. They, is the they right. love him there. Hey.
1: They love yeah. him there. They think they ha- he has potential. Uh, they swung that deal with this in mind, thinking that he was going to be a long-term centerpiece there. I guess to add some dimension, which is why they let Augustine go, knowing they were drafting Cole Anthony, etc. I mean, that's it's very strange on the outside, but uh, he's he's. They like him very much in that organization i will say about bu- the bucks to go back one step further Do is it. that they give me the sense like that the raptors used to give me for so many years that you know they were just one of these teams that could never really get past lebron and in, in the east etc and, and maybe that was the lebron factor and i don't think there's anybody like that here in the eastern conference right now but you know what took them over the hump eventually was Kawhi leonard joining that team and they don't have Kawhi leonard now so i'm just not sure that, that anybody in the Milwaukee roster is going to be able to just take them to that next level that, uh, that you know, many people might expect them to do. They're just – they're good. They're built for a regular season wins. Boone and Holzer's coaching or lack of coaching in the players is. is always a concern. And if that's the case, I just – I'm not sure what they're doing here. And look, Giannis signing that deal, at least he has faith in the organization that they're going to be restructuring in the right way moving forward. But I just don't see it right now. And we're just at that point with Milwaukee where they have to be able to prove – Something to to the outside world because otherwise they're just going to be a very good regular season team that can't achieve postseason success.
0: Well, it's going to be a make or break year for uh, Mike Budenholzer for sure. Like he he's going to be their X factor one way or another. So he needs to hopefully hopefully he's had enough time to sort of go through the footage, go through you know any kind of criticism that he got from his assistant coaches, and he took them serious because if he if he does not like he absolutely cost to me he cost them a lot. So that might be a bit of a hot take, but. I completely believe and agree with you that Boldenhoser does matter deeply in terms of the how far their success is going to take them at this point. So, And Giannis didn't get a long offseason. So, I mean, that kind of feels like to me, like if he was going to make any other you know steps in his development, I don't think he really got that chance. So, And we've already seen in just his limited preseason action, I didn't see anything that showed me that he's taken another leap. I know we have a small data pool. But, yeah, I feel like the Bucks might be there. But, overall, I'm going Heat. So, I... I'm really excited about the Heat's chances, gentlemen. Sean, I really, really appreciate you jumping on this podcast. David Ramil, thank you so much. Marcus, thank you for dropping by. We're going to talk about the Western Conference here in just a little bit, so stay tuned, buckle up. Really appreciate you, Heat Nation. God bless.